Section 7 of The Lion's Brood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Violet Blue of Albertville. The Lion's Brood by Duffield Osborne. Section 7 Punishment. Sergius hardly knew what was happening. He was conscious that the stride of his horse had been checked by a dense mass of plunging animals in front, a mass that grew more dense and more tangled with every instant. Those behind were still endeavoring to press forward, and those in front were hurled back upon them, or were striving frantically to break through the rearmost squadrons and escape while shrill above the clash of arms and the shouts and screams rose a name that sergius found himself listening to with a sort of curious interest maharbal maharbal came the cry nearer and nearer at the first moment of the check marcus decius had pushed the sturdy horse that he rode well to the fore he saw hostilius riding back waving one arm and crying out incoherent words his spear was gone and the head of a spaniard's lance had been thrust through his shoulder and broken off so that a third of the shaft hung from the wound then what had happened and the hopelessness of it all became apparent like the veriest fools they had ridden into the snare, and Maharbal, the Carthaginian, with at least two thousand Spanish and African horsemen, was thundering on their front and flanks. Their front, but in a moment their rear, for now those who had not been ridden down at the first onset, or become inextricably entangled with their fellows, broke away over the plain, carrying their officers with them in a mad frenzy of flight while other numidians fresh riders on fresh steeds urged the pursuit and smote down the hindermost decius found himself riding in the middle of the press his face was as imperturbable as ever though he glanced over his shoulder from time to time to note how much nearer death had come sergius galloped close behind him careless and abstracted his rein flying loose on his charger's steaming neck then of a sudden a resolve seemed to come to him straightening himself he urged the wary horse forward through the fugitives till he drew up even with hostilius who still frantic with panic was now swaying in his saddle from the pain and loss of blood sergius leaned over and laid his hand upon the other's arm and hostilius started as if he had touched a serpent then he became calmer and a troubled look was in the eyes that sought the tribune's face yes i know he said at last speaking hurriedly and in odd strained accents i led you to it and now i am flying let us turn back said sergius mildly i do not reproach you but let us turn back surely it is better than the rods and axe hostilius shuddered and at that moment decius who had overtaken them broke in with by hercules there is no fear of those they cut us down in flight the choice is shall we have it in the face or between the shoulders by the gods of rome then shouted the prefect suddenly reining up while sergius and decius swung their horses in short circles there was no trumpet to give the signal and the little cavalry banner had gone down long ago but such was the force of roman training that nearly all of sergius's men and half of the allies turned in mid-panic with their leaders to make head much less to form was impossible for the foremost of the enemy were well mingled with the rearmost fugitives as decius had said it was only a choice of deaths the one swift and honourable the other more lingering but none the less inevitable almost in a moment it was over 
between two and three hundred of the united detachments had fallen already and the hundred or so that now sought to face about went down in a crushed and bleeding mass under the thousands of hoofs that overwhelmed them such was the weight and impetus of the pursuing force that there was no time even to strike and most of the victims fell unwounded by spear or javelin sergius was vaguely conscious that he had seen the prefect cloven through the head by the short sword-like numidian knife his own horse seemed to collapse under him and that was the end then he knew it was dark and cold and that there was a howling in the air as of beasts of prey and the shadow of a man fell across him for the moon was in the heavens and the man was cursing by all the gods of the capital gradually consciousness returned and he recalled incident by incident the happenings of the past day he had been lying still thus far without further wish than to look up at the stars and think and listen to what he now knew was the distant howling of wolves and the nearer curses of marcus decius at last he stirred slightly and the decurion turned and looked down do you live master yes truly replied sergius unless you chance to be a shade then he struggled to his feet and the two gazed silently at each other and around them all about in the moonlight lay the bodies of horses and men the latter glittering in their white tunics save here and there an officer whose helmet and breastplate had seemed to mark out his corpse for stripping and nameless desecrations sergius's headpiece was gone but he glanced at his own corslet and then at decius we were buried together under a heap of dead said the latter in answer to the unasked query they made haste in their spoiling and when they had gone i drew myself free and found you the wolves are feasting well to-night can you walk sergius moved stiffly a few steps he felt bruised from head to foot and one arm hung useless from a dislocated shoulder but he found no wound decius had not escaped so lightly besides the gash he had received earlier in the day he had been cut again across the forehead but his prodigious strength seemed to have been inexhaustible resources to draw upon come he said we must go southward as quickly as possible sergius still walked slowly about glancing at one corpse after another until the decurion at last divining his thought broke in roughly come the wolves must provide him sepulchre as they will do better for men what would he have the she-wolf suckled the twins let hostilius pay the debt by feeding the she-wolf's cubs by hercules other sepulchre for him means need of one for ourselves so speaking he at last drew sergius away and they began their weary tramp across the field if i could have seen but one pulse-eater among the slain said the tribune after they had gone some distance in silence i know of one that should be dead remarked decius grimly if a spear through his midriff be enough for him truly the ancient shafts are useless in close fight save for a single thrust i for one welcome the greek equipment and the sooner the better suddenly sergius stopped and laid his hand upon his comrade's arm look he said a long low rampart seemed to rise up from the plain two hundred yards ahead their camp said the decurion after a short pause and deserted let us go forward cautiously perhaps we shall find food step by step they crept up walking faster and more erect as they drew nearer and as the evidence that life was not there became more apparent they have left it only to-night said decius clambering up the mound of earth and sniffing the air had it been a day old we should have smelt it long ago though the wind blows from us then as they descended and traversed the silent lanes a puzzled expression came to his face and he halted from time to time sergius eyed him inquiringly do you not smell fresh blood said the veteran at last 
i remember when we marched with lucius aemilius after the gauls had beaten the praetor's army at clusium there were ten thousand men just slain and the air was salt like the sea by jupiter what is this resuming their advance they had come upon a space of open ground near the centre of the camp doubtless the spot reserved for a market but what meat was it that cumbered the shambles without buyer or seller piled in ghastly heaps or covering the ground two or three deep lay a fresh-reaped harvest of corpses stripped disordered gleaming in the moonlight could it be that the camp had been taken but these were no african dead nor yet was this a roman camp there was a set deliberation too about the slaughter that told no tale of battle suddenly decius cried out and stooping down raised the hands of one of the victims hands upon which the shackles still hung slaves murmured sergius but why say rather prisoners said the centurion grimly sergius struck his thigh it was all clear to him now may the plague fall upon him may he go to a thousand crosses do you not see he is escaping he has made for the passes and slain his prisoners that they may not hamper his march who knows but that by now he is on the road to rome gods this was hostilius's duty and mine and we wasted our time and our men on a few score of miserable numidians come my marcus come there are no such things as wounds or weariness or caution we must reach the dictator at once and may the gods grant that it be not too late marcus decius had been gazing gloomily at the young man as the words burst from his lips where shall we go and how he said with a despairing gesture on our feet cried sergius did i not say that weariness and wounds were not it is for the life of the republic i to the camp near Casilinum, you to teresina they will march by the apian or the latin way if they strike for rome if not the plan may not be fatal decius yielded to the decision of his companion and with hasty fingers they unlaced each other's corslets and hurried out of the camp each to run his race with what strength remained the last clasp of hands had been given and received when far away on the hills east and northeast the quick eye of sergius caught the gleam of a rapidly moving torch then another and another and another seemed to flame out in the night like stars when the moon has failed until the whole range of heights blazed with fires that flashed and danced and crossed and recrossed each other in mad confusion as if all the thronging bacchanals of greece had assembled for one frenzied orgy dazed and confounded by the spectacle as grand as it was weird and unexplainable they stood spellbound powerless each to take their first stride decius the older man the veteran turned to his companion yielding that unconscious homage to birth and rank and education that comes in the presence of unknown perils no experience of war could help him here and his mind leaped at once to the supernatural for an explanation as for the tribune such thoughts at least had not occurred to him greek scepticism had already gained too strong a hold upon young romans of rank to let them regard the theology of the state other than as a machinery devised by wise men to control an ignorant rabble besides his mind had taken another direction from the discovery of the slaughter of the prisoners and human-like it ran on its channel right or wrong decius was trembling violently truly master the gods of carthage are loose to-night said he there was even a little of contempt in the glance with which sergius noted the abject terror of the sturdy veteran utterly at a loss to explain the apparitions he never doubted for a moment that they were the product of some human wile come he said shortly 
the gods of Carthage have favored us in lighting the way. First of all, we shall go together and learn the truth. Without waiting for a reply, he set off, at an easy, loping gait, in the direction of the strange fires. Decius followed, as he would have followed through the portals of Avernus. The distance to the heights was not great, four or five miles at the utmost, but half an hour had passed, and still the spectacle, wilder and more brilliant than ever, remained unexplained. For a stretch of miles the hills above, beyond, and below were all ablaze, with rushing flames that seemed guided by no sentient agency. Then suddenly a single torch glanced out from the small grove of trees, a short distance ahead, and darted diagonally across their path. Decius stopped for an instant with trembling knees, but Sergius bounded forward to intercept the torch-bearer, and the veteran followed from sheer shame down to the ground up again and then around in frantic waving circles swept the flame a mad bellowing rolled through the night until the tribune himself almost checked his stride in awestruck wonder the next instant the torch if torch it was seemed to flounder to the earth from which it rose again and came driving directly toward him explained at last an ox with a great bundle of blazing faggots fastened between its horns blinded frantic with pain and terror sergius sprang aside as the beast dashed by but decius roused once more to the possibility of independent thought and action stepped toward it and as it passed plunged his sword between its heaving ribs what now my master he said flushing with shame at his fears of the last hour perhaps the bravest hour of his life does the lying carthaginian seek to terrify quintus fabius the dictator as he terrified marcus decius the decurion yes truly replied sergius gloomily and he will succeed even better no general and at least of all ours would lead out his army in the night against such a spectacle come it is necessary that we should reach the camp and turning once again they fell to running in a more southern direction where a dim glow in the sky seemed to tell of the watchfires of an army at first no sound broke the stillness of the night save the laboured breathing of the weary runners and the strokes of their leather coturni upon the hard ground but soon other noises came to mingle with these and at last to drown them the lowing of thousands of cattle now scattered far and wide over the plain and hillsides and then the distant clash of arms and the cries of combatants day began to dawn just as the fugitives came in sight of the roman camp with the army drawn up behind its ramparts waiting for they knew not what here and there upon the heights they could see small bodies of legionnaires who defended themselves against light troops of the enemy until overwhelmed by the spanish infantry that scaled the hills and cut them to pieces meanwhile to every prayer that the dictator should march out to their support he returned one grim answer they deserted their posts in the passes rome needs not such soldiers so company by company the guards of the defiles terrified or lured away by the ridges of the ruse of cattle and the blazing faggots fell ingloriously before their comrades eyes as being men not worth the effort to succour the rear-guard of the invaders had already made its way through the pass while the carthaginian van was well on into the valley of the volturnus now too the african light troops disappeared and at last the white tunics of the spaniards gay with their purple borders glittered for a moment on the hilltops and then their work of death completed sank away behind the ridges to fall back and join their comrades in a march of new destruction through a new country End of section seven.